Hey guys, and welcome back to the Mysterious Phoenix Society Read Aloud podcast. This is episode 12, and today we'll be reading chapter 15, but first let's do a little recap. So, in chapter 13, we read about how Sticky and Rennie are doing very well on the quizzes in the Institute, and they are moving up, and they think that they might become messengers if they keep doing well. And they have an enemy now named Martina Crow who is very angry with them because they don't want them to take her spot. And then, in chapter 14, we learned about the waiting room, which sounds very, very bad, and the children really, really don't want to go in there (laughs) um, because it sounded like the kid who did go in there was very, very scared. So hopefully we don't have to go into the waiting room anytime soon. Okay, let's read chapter 15. Chapter 15. Logical Conclusions and Miscalculations When the ceiling panel slid aside that night, Kate's was the only face that appeared. Where's Constance? Rennie whispered. Down for the count, Kate replied. Drowsiest kid I've ever met. Fell sound asleep at her desk. I couldn't wake her. I guess you can fill her in later, Rennie said doubtfully, and Sticky shook his head with a look of disapproval. I'm so glad to see you boys, Kate said, sitting on the floor. She crossed her legs in an elaborate pretzel-like formation the boys would have thought impossible. I'm sick of studying. I must have gone over my notes a hundred times, but none of it sticks in my head. It makes no sense. You must work longer hours to have more time to relax. You must have war to have peace. How are these logical conclusions? Please tell me. Rennie gave a weary laugh. What about it's important to protect yourself because impossible to protect yourself? Oh, yes, the hygiene lesson, Kate said disgustedly. That one's the best. I would have never thought brushing my teeth could make me feel so hopeless. Rennie cocked his head. Something about what Kate had said seemed familiar, but what was it? The stuff doesn't make a bit of sense to me either, said Sticky, but I don't have a hard time trouble remembering it. I can help you study, Kate. When, said Kate, exasperated, there's never any time. No, I need to just do it myself. Oh, oh, okay said Sticky meekly, his feelings obviously hurt. Kate was too preoccupied to notice. She was absently braiding her hair into complicated knots, then unbraiding it again. I really don't get it, boys. What's the point of learning this mush? It suddenly occurred to Rennie what struck him as familiar. I think it's connected to the hidden messages. Remember that phrase we heard on the receiver? Brush your teeth and kill the germs? That has to be related to the hygiene lesson, don't you think? Hey, you're right, Kate said, brightening. And now that I think of it, on our first day here, we overheard the kids in SQ's class going on and on about the market this and market that. The free market drill, said Sticky. Exactly. And market was the very first word we heard come through Mr. Benedict's receiver, remember? Sticky nodded. Of course he remembered, but Kate only shrugged. I'll have to take your word for it, she says. Anyway, the classes are obviously linked to the hidden messages, so the question is how it all fits together. The sooner we become messengers, the sooner we find out, said Rennie excitedly. We aren't messengers yet, so hold your horses, said Sticky, who was still trying to recover from his wounded feelings and a bit feeling a bit testy. We've only been here a few days. It's true, Rennie sighed. All right, let's report this to Mr. Benedict. They prepared to send a report to the mainland, only to be thwarted by the presence of Mr. Curtin on the plaza. And then, just as Mr. Curtin was finally going inside, a couple of executives came out for a leisurely stroll over the Institute grounds. 
They seemed intent on strolling every walkway and path in sight. The night was growing late, and the children, exhausted, decided to adjourn. They couldn't very well succeed in their classes if they couldn't stay awake in them. The report will keep, Kate said with a yawn, and in the meantime we'll sleep. You boys have a good night. She scurried up her rope, drew into the ceiling after her, and disappeared. With a mixture of amusement and admiration, Rennie and Sticky watched her go. Kate's method of coming and going still took some time to getting used to. What must it be like getting around the way she does, Sticky wondered. Rennie shrugged. Dusty, I imagine. Long after Kate had gone in her dusty way and the boys had gone to bed, Rennie lay awake, calming his nerves by composing a mental letter to Miss Permal. He could never actually write the letter, of course. He could never send it. But it soothed Rennie to think of Miss Permal. In a setting far from this responsibility and danger, sipping her tea and correcting his Tamil grammar, he reflected upon the pleasant afternoons they'd spent walking in the old wood park, discussing this thing or that, her mother or the aged trees in the park or baseball or dogs, and the times, too, when he'd told her about some savage teasing he got from the other children, upon which Miss Permal never offered advice, which would have been useless, but only nodded and clucked her tongue, smiling sadly at Rennie, as if his memory were her memory, too, as if they shared it. Well, he'd suppose they did share it now that he told her of it, and somehow this had always lightened its effect on him, even on occasion cheered him up. Rennie had just ended the letter, Weena heard Sticky rise and move above the room, and then, after a pause, whisper, Rennie, are you awake? It wouldn't have been a very nice way to go to sleep. Rennie was feeling calm for the first time all day, but he couldn't very well thank Miss Permal for his letter and always being there to listen, then turn around and not be there for Sticky. Yes, I'm awake, he replied. The coast is clear now. Rennie looked down from his bunk. Sticky put on his spectacles and was peering out the window. If Kate hadn't taken her flashlight, we could send the report. We should remember that next time. We might as well get something out of a bad night's sleep. We could flip the light switch, Rennie suggested. I suppose so, Sticky said doubtfully, with a twinge of worry in his voice. But what if there's someone outside? I can't keep an eye out for both over the light switch. There are two of us, remember? I'll watch out the window. Sticky casting about for his polishing cloth. Makes me nervous, he said, finding the cloth on his desk and giving his glasses a brisk rub. I keep thinking about the messenger's face when Jackson told him about the waiting room. The last thing we want to be is suspected of something. He put his glasses on inside. Now I wish I hadn't mentioned it, but I suppose we ought to. We'll do it quickly and get it over with, Rennie said. The light switch, unfortunately, made a sharp clicking sound when it was thrown. Sticky cringed with every click, as if he were being shocked. And by the end of the message, his trembling, sweaty fingers were slipping off the switch. At last, the message was sent. However, and no one had discovered them. Peering toward the mainland shore, Rennie chuckled. They want to know what we're still doing of. Stiggy felt too anxious to smile. Anything else? We're doing excellent work. We must continue to be careful, and now we should really get some sleep. They said all that? Rennie climbed down from the television. Well, they said, excellent, careful, sleep. They don't have to tell me twice, Sticky said, slipping into bed. Especially not the careful part. My stomach's all in knots, Rennie. It feels that way all the time. I know, Rennie said, climbing up into his bunk. Same with me. But at least we know Mr. Benedict and his crew are out there watching. We're not alone, right? I suppose that should be encouraging, Sticky said uncertainly. I take it you don't find it very encouraging. No, Sticky replied, pulling his sheet up tightly under his chin. 
No, ever since I saw him, I keep imagining Mr. Curtin chasing me down, getting closer and closer. He seems a lot closer than Mr. Benedict and the others do, way off that shore. This time Rennie said nothing. He understood too well how Sticky felt. If only he knew of something comforting to say, something to ease Sticky's anxiety, and yes, something to ease his own. He thought and thought. He lay awake a long while thinking. Surely there was something, but if there was, he could not think of it. Sticky's anxiety took its toll on him. He slept quite poorly and all the next morning had trouble staying awake. By the time Jackson's class started, his eyelids felt heavy as anvils. It required a heroic effort, including a lot of painful pinches on the leg, to keep his eyes open and pay attention to Jackson's long, droning lecture. At last, Jackson was finished, however, and despite his drowsiness, Sticky had managed to lock all the information securely in his head. The end of the lecture review would not require his attention, which meant it would require willpower instead. It would be all he could do to stay awake. He needed to occupy his mind with something. And so Sticky focused on Corliss Danton, who was back in class this morning, looking no worse for Weir. On the contrary, he seemed the explanatory student. He sat ramrod straight in his desk, listening with attention, and his messenger uniform was impeccable. In fact, his entire person fairly shone. From finger to foot, his fair skin was rosy from scrubbing. Even his fingernails seemed meticulously groomed. He looked as though he would smell like a bar of soap. Corliss obviously meant to make a good impression, Stiggy thought. He wanted to appear cleansed of any past wrongdoings. <clears throat> Only after Corliss had glanced past him toward the door a few times did Stiggy realize he was not entirely recovered from his visit to the waiting room. His face was weary, even dazed, as if he hadn't slept a wink, and an unmistakable remnant of misery showed in his eyes. Not for the first time, Stiggy found himself wondering what sort of ordeal Corliss had gone through. Then he found that he didn't want to think about it, as it made his stomach hurt, and then he found that he was asleep. Stiggy wouldn't have known he was asleep, though had Martina Crow not hissed, "'You, skinny, bald-headed, four-eyes, what are you doing sleeping?' Aren't you supposed to be the super student? Sticky's eyes snapped open. On all sides of him, students were tittering, and the messengers, including Corliss, were sneering disdainfully. In a flush of embarrassment, Sticky reached for his spectacles. Watch him go to the polishing his glasses now, said Martina. What a weirdo. Silence, shouted Jackson from the side of the room. His icy, sharp glazes fell on Sticky. You can say whatever you like when you have permission, Jackson said, adding. Right now, no one has permission. Paralyzed, Sticky couldn't even manage a nod. Kate, however, was too outraged to hold her tongue. But it wasn't Sticky who spoke. Martina, who happened to be sitting right in front of Kate, whirled around with a look of shock. Kate met her gaze defiantly, which surprised Martina even more. Before they could exchange words, though, Jackson had come charging down the aisle to stand over Kate. Did you raise your hand to ask permission to speak? Kate shook her head and then, with a bright look, raised her hand. No, Jackson said, you don't have permission to raise your hand, and let me just warn you and your friend, he said, with a glance at Sticky. It won't benefit you to challenge a messenger. Martina ran a hand through her raven-colored hair and nodded with mar more remarkable smugness. Kate's face burned bright red. She fairly radiated fury, but she held her tongue. Jackson returned to the front of the room, and the students returned their busy note-taking. All except Sticky, who was too upset to concentrate. Instead, he stared miserably at Jackson, and then at his other tormentor, Martina, 
who seemed exceedingly pleased with himself, with herself. His gaze was distracted by a movement below Martina's desk. Kate was slipping her feet back into her shoes. But why is she taking off her shoes? It was too cool for bare feet. Just then, Martina shot a glance towards Sticky. Sticky averted his eyes and didn't look that direction again. He could feel the mouse even without looking. And so it was that when Jackson dismissed the class and Martina leaped from her seat. Sticky heard but did not see Martina crashing face first onto the floor. He glanced over in surprise. Notebooks, papers, and pencils had spilled everywhere, and Martina was raising herself slowly to her hands and knees, sputtering and shaking her head as she tried to get her bearings. Messenger and no, her fumblings prompted a burst of laughter from the other students, except for Kate, who pretended not to notice as she grabbed Dickie's arm and dragged him toward the door. I tied her shoelaces to the desk, she whispered, with my toes. <clears throat> Great, Constance said at lunch. Not only do we have a dangerous secret mission, but now we have enemies too. Nice work, Kate. Kate laughed. She was already the boy's enemy. I just added myself to the list. What did you expect me to do? Let her get away with it? She called him bald-headed for Pete's sake. I am bald, Sticky said, running a hand over her scalp. It's my own fault. I use hair remover when I wear it away to disguise myself. That explains it, said Rennie. I'd wondered, but I was afraid to ask. Isn't hair remover supposed to sting like the Dickens? Kate asked. I'd heard that, so I invented my own mixture, adding other ingredients to keep it from stinging. Did that work? Constance asked, plainly hoping it didn't. No, Sticky admitted. It felt like my head was on fire. And now it's taking forever for my hair to grow back. It hasn't even started. The others smiled, then grinned, then giggled. And finally, unable to help themselves, they burst out laughing. Sticky groaned and ducked his head. But at last, even he had to smile. For a while, their laughter wiped away the troubles at hand, and they were reluctant to give it up. But eventually, too soon, their laughter fell away. And unlike Sticky's hair, the troubles at hand did not hesitate to come back.